Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and today's date is the 7th day of February 2017, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin. And just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Hey, um, i got to address a little bit of yesterday's podcast because it was uh, it was an interesting one. I, I don't talk about football much on this podcast, but it became clear that I, I was talking about uh, I gave up on the Super Bowl because it was so boring. And I began talking about how Atlanta is now off of the Atlanta Braves are now off the hook and they can now build uh, a championship team without worrying about man our, our fan base hasn't seen a championship in a long time well we now see how that turned out and I decided that you know I was going to play it anyway because I thought it was a nice little way of showing first of all uh, I'm always willing to admit when I'm wrong and I did a whole podcast where I was wrong and I was going to show it for all to see it became instantly obsolete the minute I found out that the Patriots came back to tie the game. And I decided, ah, oh, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. You know, hear, hear Sully put egg on his face. It just goes to show. You know, it, one of the things that I, I, I did not think that that game was going to be won was such a blowout. And also because of the clock. I didn't think there's no way they're going to make up that amount of points. And... It's one of the things that makes baseball beautiful, in my opinion, is that there is no clock. You got to get all 27 outs if you want to win. Doesn't matter. You could be down 20 to nothing, and theoretically, you could go on a couple of big rallies, and next thing you know, you win the damn game. Now, we know that doesn't happen that often, but it, the possibility is there. So, the thing that I found interesting in the aftermath and hearing about the aftermath of the game, is that this is one of those games that when a team loses horrifically, the way the Atlanta Falcons did yesterday or on on Sunday, when you lose that horrifically in such a grotesque manner, I went to work, it was all anyone was talking about was, I can't believe they lost, I can't believe they lost. This is the type of loss that transcends a sport. This is the type of loss that everybody saw and will begin to characterize the very, well, the very character, the very notion, the very mention of a fan base. I experienced this. I experienced this firsthand in 1986 when the Red Sox lost to the Mets. Now, the circumstance around the game and people blaming Bill Buckner, I've talked ad nauseum that Buckner was not to blame for that game. Uh, The Buckner era is the most overrated play in the history of sports. The game was already tied. But it was not an overrated loss. That game hung over the city of Boston from the moment that game ended right up until the moment 
that Edgar Renteria hit back to folk to clinch the 2004 World Series. You could not talk about any Boston sport without bringing up the 1986 World Series. There are losses that hang over a city and that become the shorthand of a city. Now, in Buffalo, it is the wide right, the the field goal going wide right and losing four straight Super Bowls. That, to this day, is part of the way that you can identify and, and relate to someone from Buffalo is losing four straight Super Bowls and having one of them lost, the first one lost, on a missed field goal. Think if that that field goal went through for Buffalo back in 1991. If, they, if everything else was exactly the same, that would be considered a great run. Four straight Super Bowls, including winning one of them. That, that, that'd be fantastic. But instead, all anyone remembers is that they lost all four and they blew one of them. All they had to do was kick the damn field goal, and they would have won. Wide right. Uh, it's difficult to tell which Cleveland loss. Uh, I think that probably the Michael Jordan shot over Craig Elo, just because the visual of it. The see, you know, it wasn't even for the championship, but you know, shooting the ball over Elo, Elo collapsing in a in a lump, and Jordan pumping his fist in the air. It just became a symbol of the city of Cleveland that was lifted this last spring with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, it could have been the exclamation point, could have been the Indians winning as well, but that was, you know, the impact of the Indians' loss to the Chicago Cubs became less so because of the win of the Cavaliers, that a little bit of the, the pressure on that city had been lifted. Uh, the you know there are individual teams of course that have you know an image that you look at. I mean, obviously people are going to associate Bartman with the Cubs for all those years. Uh, I never did. I always felt there were many, many more uh, deserving uh, goats for the uh, Cubs. The ball going through Deon, Leon Durham's legs was one. Uh, the the just the disastrous play in that eighth inning in 2003 would be another but now that's lifted and it takes that it takes a championship to lift that if you are using the rule of seven if you were born in this century if you were born in the the 21st century the idea of boston being a city of losers a city where you choke a city where you can't win a title would be just surreal because all they've done this century is, you know, the Celtics won a title, the Bruins won a Stanley Cup, the Red Sox have three championships, the Patriots have five. Now it's 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 become an embarrassment of riches. Now people hate Boston fans because of all the championships won. But between 1986 and pretty much the Patriots for Super Bowl, but but definitely by 2004, during those few decades. Boston was synonymous with losing. And it takes a startling championship 
to remove that stink. And for Atlanta, the fact that it's not just the Falcons losing the Super Bowl, it's not just the Falcons losing the Super Bowl in a way that no one thought was possible. I mean, I'm not a big football historian, but no one's ever blown a lead more than 10 points in a Super Bowl, and they blew a 25-point lead. But it's now you realize that the with Cleveland no longer being the most tortured city, you know, they're the Buffalo and San Diego have to shoot high up there. But man, Atlanta. Atlanta has to be considered the new king of pain of sports fans. Now, when I go back to the suffering index, which was the formula that I made to calculate which baseball fan base is suffering the most, well, it's the fight was between the Cleveland Indians and Washington fans altogether, not just the Nationals, but the entire history of Washington sports. Well, you know, Cleveland, you could still make that argument. And you could still say that that you know Houston Astros who are second were have an incredibly hard you know road to hoe because they haven't won since the the mid nineteen nineties, and you know you, you certainly can make that point in San Diego who's never won anything and now they've lost their football team has to be high up there. The Braves ranked tenth in between the Mariners and the Mets with a forty nine point seven five, but that's only taking into account baseball. That's only taken into account how the Braves have made their fans suffer. Well, there's no, I mean, I wish there was a way to include in this, if I was going to go through all fan bases of all the different teams, to put in a calculation for iconic loss. An iconic loss that is played over and over again. Like what happened with the Texas Rangers in 2011. They will show in any highlight reel of great baseball moments of the last, you know, the, of recent great baseball moments of the last bunch of decades. They have to show the 2011 World Series where the Rangers were one strike away on two different occasions from winning the World Series and, you know, coughed it up to the David Freeze triple. If if, a, if if Nelson Cruz had timed his leap better, the Rangers would have won. And lest we forget, which it seems to be cut out of a lot of these montages, Lance Berkman singled home a run when they were one strike away from losing the World Series. So it happened, you know, it happened twice and then Freeze hits the walk-off homer. That... That has become an iconic loss. Um, I have a hard time thinking that Game 7 of the World Series between the Cubs and the Indians will become an iconic loss for the Indians because it was such a great game and because probably the greatest highlight of that game was the home run by Rajay Davis. Well, okay, the greatest highlight of that game was the final out. But after the final out, that Rajay Davis homer was what made it an epic. So I, I don't know. Maybe it depends. It depends on how the, it plays off. But, you know, another iconic loss is the Francisco Cabrera hit. You know, for all the shots of people jumping up and down happy, there's always a shot of the dejected 
team walk in off the field. You know, the Yankees have had their share of iconic losses. The 2004 playoffs to the Red Sox, the 2001 World Series to Arizona. Hell, the Edgar Martinez double scoring Joey Cora and Ken Griffey Jr. But it's tough to make the argument that, you know, the Yankees have had so many iconic losses, uh, iconic victories against teams, whether it's the Boone home run, the Jeter flip, and all this other stuff they've had over the years. So, you know, because the Yankees are in it so often, yeah, every once in a while they're going to have a Bill Mazeroski home run go against them. But Atlanta, Atlanta now has a loss to just hang over and become become a shorthand for the suffering of an entire fan base. And you go through the history of Atlanta sports, they've only had one champion, that being the Braves in 1995, and that was a strange championship to win because that was a year where a lot of people were not even paying attention to baseball. I was, your pal Sully was, but, you know, I'm, I'm an outlier. And when you think about, you know, the Braves over the years have had, one of the reasons why they have such high suffering index, even though they won a World Series in the last, you know, couple of decades, was all the game fives that they lost in the postseason. All the terrible losses they had in there. And so now all those brave losses, and, 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 and the fact that they won a championship in 1995, but you cannot mention the wonderful run that they went on between 1991 and 2005 where they made every single postseason. They won the division every single season that was completed. And yet... Almost nobody, including me right now, can bring up that amazing run without also bringing up they only won one title. Which means over the years, they had the best team year in and year out. And find way, they found ways to lose. I wrote a thing back on the blog before I started the podcast. I wrote a thing back on the blog called The Innings Bobby Cox Regrets. And they were like, the top of the eighth of game seven of the 91 World Series, top of the ninth of game two of the 92 World Series, bottom of the ninth in game four of the 93 NLCS, top of the eighth in game four of 1996, top of the first game five in 1997, top of the 10th uh, game one NLCS 1998, bottom of the eighth game three 1999 World Series, uh, top of the ninth game one 2001 NLCS. Bottom of the ninth, Game 5, 2002 NLCS. Game 1 of the 2003 NLCS. Game 5 of the 2004 NLCS. Game 4 of the 2005 NLCS. There's all these different games where a bounce here or a bounce there. And those would be years where the, the Braves could have won one or two more titles along the way. You know, it's not just the the home run that Mark Wohler's led up against Jim Lairitz, there's a slew of games that they blew yeah, and that they should never have lost to some of the teams they lost to. The Phillies in 1993, Marlins in 1997, Padres in 1998. There were teams whose butts they should have whipped. And instead... They saw, you know, game five after game five that they lost. Many of them at home. 
And so, you know, even the one title that they have is marred in a sea of disappointment. You know, the, I mean, dude, they won 14 consecutive division titles. Yeah, they only won it all once. Now, granted, I'm sure Indian fans would love to have won one once in that big bunch, and Astros fans, etc. But now that, that is part of the narrative of being an Atlanta fan. That you could have good Hawks teams that never make it to the NBA Finals because they've never played in NBA Finals in Atlanta. That you have, they can get to the Super Bowl and, you know, blow the biggest Super Bowl lead ever. They can consistently have a rotation with three Hall of Famers going every five games and in the playoffs every single year, but they only got it together to win once, and that was because they were playing Cleveland. And, you know, in a bounce here or a bounce there, because three of the Braves' victories were by one run in that World Series, you know, it doesn't take much to think that that, that one title that they won, they almost could have lost that too, but they, they, it's almost a... It's almost a, a, a a stain on their reputation. They only won one. They had won two. No one would say anything. But it's part of what is now part of the identity of being an Atlanta fan. And that may sound rough. That may not sound fair. But it's now all intertwined. And if you are an Atlanta fan, uh, get used to it. This is what happens when you fail on the largest stage. And you fail in a spectacular fashion. The name of your city is now synonymous with blowing a gigantic lead. And it will not go away until you win in a spectacular fashion. You know, it, it, it's not going to be enough for the Braves to win a World Series four games to one against the White Sox and yeah, an okay series. It's not going to be enough. They have to win in a spectacular manner of which there is a great highlight to counteract it. That final minute that the Cleveland Cavaliers played to finally vanquish the Warriors, that block by LeBron James, that three-pointer, and then the ball bouncing around as the time expired. That was a spectacular conclusion, and it needed a spectacular conclusion. The Cubs needed a spectacular conclusion, an extra inning Game 7 victory on the road to finally slay all these demons. It took the Red Sox defeating the, uh, the, the Yankees down three games to none in order to wipe that out. You know, it, if you are a team that has been, has the stink of the losses year in and year out it ha- you have to have the climactic victory in denver with all the super bowl losses for john elway it took that great comeback against the green bay packers to win to finally vanquish it it's not fair but you need to slay the proverbial dragon Now, the Atlanta Braves are moving into a new suburban stadium. They have a 
bunch of young players. They have one of the best farm systems in baseball. They've been very, very smart in how they trade. They've been very, very smart in what they're doing with this team. And maybe, just maybe, by the time the new decade comes around, the Braves will have a big-time contender on the field. If that's the case, then guess what, Chachi? The Braves have a shot to win and wipe this out. It may not be fair to bring up the Falcons' loss when you talk about Braves' failure, but do you know what? They talked about the Red Sox' loss to the Patriots, Bruins, and Celtics. And all the losses in Cleveland were intertwined. It's not fair, but it's true. I guarantee you they bring up wide right to the Buffalo Sabres. So you've got a lot of pressure on you, Atlanta. You don't have to win and justify the Bobby Cox years. You've got to win in a spectacular way that helps wipe out this last Super Bowl. Is it fair? Of course it's not fair. What the hell does fair have to do with it? This is sports. So, Atlanta, home of the peach. I don't know. What's this nickname for the Atlantis? I don't know. I've been to a game in Turner Field. Atlanta's a nice city. I like Atlanta. I have nothing against the good people of Atlanta. But man, the fortunes that smile upon sports teams, they have something against the people of Atlanta. So go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalitsky. Talking about the pressure of a fan base, well, that needs a hug. This has been the Solid Baseball Daily Podcast for the 7th day of February 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan.